invite you to open your Bible with me to Philippians chapter 3. As Paul uses different words, but he expresses the same thought. He says in verse 10 of Philippians 3, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take this, should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. In a certain respect, life is a series of decisions. By the decisions that we make, we invest our time. The way that we invest our time exposes the priorities that we have. The Apostle Paul says, essentially in this text, that he has but one priority in life, whatever his circumstances. And I remind you that his circumstances at this point were not exactly friendly. He is writing these words from a situation in which he is under arrest in Rome chained to two guards, day and night, awaiting trial before Caesar. And he is doing so as a victim. He is a victim of circumstances that are beyond his control. It is true that he said, I appeal to Caesar, but that was the only recourse he had. He was a victim of people who unjustly and unfairly attacked him, criticized him, and sought to kill him. And so as Luke records in the book of Acts, Paul appealed his case to Caesar. And now after a lengthy time, he is waiting a hearing before the most powerful man in the world. He has much he wants to do. Paul is glad to be preaching the gospel in Rome, even under these circumstances. But deep in his heart, Paul wants to get on to Spain and into other parts of Europe, as we call the continent. And apparently he did before he died, but now he's frustrated in fulfilling those desires. And it may reflect something of what you're facing in your own life today. You may be frustrated by some situations. 
You may have goals you would like to attain, but because of circumstances beyond your control, you can't. You may feel victimized. You've been forced into a situation where you've had no choice but to to make the decisions you have or to accept the circumstances that you're in. How do we find joy in situations like that? How do we find joy in that kind of adversity? I believe that Paul tells us here that we find joy in those kinds of circumstances by making sure our priorities are right. And Paul says, I really have one priority, whatever my circumstances, and that priority is to know Jesus Christ. So I want to say to you today that I believe the singular priority in the life of every believer is the deepening of his knowledge of Jesus Christ. Whether I am experiencing blessing or bane, success or failure, the highest priority I should have every day is to deepen my knowledge of Christ and thus to spiritually mature. Paul has already made it clear that he knows Christ in a saving way and he has said that he wouldn't compare the knowledge of Jesus Christ as his Savior for anything else in life that he would count a benefit. He counts all of his, his personal pluses as a pile of rubbish compared to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. But now he goes on to say, but I also want to know him more deeply, is the thought. He says, it's not merely enough to say, I know Christ is my Savior. I want to know Him, to become intimate with Him, to develop a relationship with this Jesus Christ, he says. And that becomes the highest priority for every believer. Paul tells us several truths regarding this priority. He says, in the first place, this priority develops our union with Christ. He has already referred to the fact that he has gained Christ and is found in him so that there is a a union with Christ that's already been referred to. Now he says this priority of knowing him more intimately, of growing more deeply in Christ, will develop that union. It's been established, but it needs to be developed. It's something like a rosebud, which one admires. It's beautiful in the, in the bud time of its existence. But how much more beautiful is that bud as it begins to develop and to open over several days until it becomes a full blossom, emitting the fragrance that only a rose can give. Paul says, I know Christ in the bud stage, but I want to know him in the blossom stage. I am in Christ, as we sang a few moments ago, I in thee dwelling, and thou with me one. Union. To be a Christian, 
means to be in union with Jesus Christ. The priority of knowing Christ more deeply develops that union. Paul says that we share in the power of his resurrection. That power is resident within us already. That power that raised him from the dead. It is there within us in the person of the Holy Spirit. Think of the power of the resurrection. Those of us who've lost loved ones understand how final death is in this world. A relationship that is precious and dear suddenly is severed by death. And death becomes like a brass wall that you can't dig under, you can't get over it, around it, you can't get through it. It separates. Death has power to separate. But there is the power of the resurrection that is even greater. Because there was a Savior 2,000 years ago who experienced that wall of death and was separated from his disciples and yet who burst through the brass door of death and came back alive forevermore. The power of the resurrection, there is no power greater. You can drop a thousand atomic bombs and have the power to take millions or even billions of lives. But you cannot bring one back from the dead with a million atomic bombs. The power of the resurrection is a power that reverses the whole course of events since the fall of man. And that is the power that resides within every Christian. Paul says, I want to know Jesus Christ. That is my priority because I share in the power of his resurrection and I want to know the release of that power in my life. The point he's making here is that we, in coming to know Jesus Christ more intimately, will experience the joy of the release of his power in our lives, changing us as people and making us more like Jesus in the course of our daily walk. The power of the resurrection. We share that with him. We also share the fellowship of his suffering. Interesting the the fact that he places the suffering after the resurrection in this context. Perhaps it is because it is the power of the resurrection that enables Paul to enter in joyfully to the suffering of Christ. Now, of course, he's not talking about, in any sense, that we share in the cross sufferings of Christ. That we somehow share in his vicarious suffering for sin. He did that. Only he could do that. He did it once and for all. But Jesus Christ still suffers because of the attack of evil against him. And though he is in heaven, his people are upon the earth. And we, being at one with him, experience the fellowship, the sharing of his sufferings. So that if one of us suffers, we all suffer because we belong to each other and we belong with Jesus. He suffers with us. 
when I run a splinter under my fingernail, it's not just my finger that hurts. Every part of my body hurts, including my head. So when a Christian suffers, the head of the body of Jesus suffers, Jesus himself. And every member of the body suffers. When you and I come to more intimately know Jesus Christ, we enter into the fellowship of his sufferings. You say, can we avoid that? Well, in a sense, we can. In a sense, we can if we choose to. We can live such tepid lives, such mediocre lives in this world, that we will avoid as much suffering as possible. And in so doing, forego the honor of suffering for Jesus. It is a privilege for us as his people to share his sufferings as the ungodly persecute Jesus. If you and I desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, that is, if we make this a priority in our lives, indeed the priority in our lives, then we will suffer persecution, says Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 3. But it's an honor and it's a glory to suffer shame for Jesus' sake. To suffer as a Christian, a follower of Christ. We are at one with him and we share the power of his resurrection. We share the fellowship of his suffering and we share conformity to his death. What death is that? Death to this world, death to this life. You and I need to learn the experience of bringing every circumstance in our lives to the cross of Jesus and their dying. It. Whether it be the loss of our material things in this world, as hard as that is, or it be a promotion at work that gives us the position we've always wanted, let us bring every circumstance of this world to the cross of Jesus Christ and there die to it with Him. Conformity to His death. That is, we die to it so that it does not overcome us. We die to it so that we do not become a victim to that circumstance, but victors in Jesus Christ over the circumstance. Paul says, we share likewise the hope of a future resurrection. He says, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection of the dead. He uses a unique expression here. That is a little tough to figure out, but Paul is undoubtedly talking about that future time when he will be called from the grave to be with the Lord. He says we share union with Jesus Christ. And one day that union is going to mean that we too will be raised from the dead. We have the power of the resurrection at work now within us as we share the fellowship of his sufferings and are made conformed to his death. And one day we will share in the literal, physical, bodily, glorious resurrection from the grave. Why? Because of our union with Christ. And Paul says, when we set as a priority to know Jesus Christ, 
that union that we've just talked about, all of that's developed, it's matured, it becomes real in our daily living, more than just a doctrine we believe, it becomes the power of our lives. The second truth that he tells us about this priority is that it demands a lifelong pursuit. Uh, we, we don't ever get to the place in life where we have arrived at spiritual maturity in the perfect sense. In fact, Paul himself disavowed that kind of uh, a point. He says, not that I've obtained all this or am already made perfect. He says, I'm not. Even the great apostle, the spiritual giant, says he hasn't arrived yet. I find encouragement in that, and I hope you do too. The fact that we aren't perfect yet. The fact that we still have many areas of our lives where God is at work is an experience that all believers share. It is a lifelong pursuit, this deepening knowledge of Jesus Christ that, that brings eventual maturity. And one day, when we're with him, we'll bring perfection. Paul says, I haven't arrived yet, but I'll tell you this. I've made a resolution. He says, this one thing I do. Someone has said, how much better to say this one thing I do than these 20 things I dabble in. The tendency that we have is to dabble in a lot of things. A little here and a little there and keep the plate spinning. And Paul says, there's really one thing I do. I have a central focus. And he comes back again to his, his point, the priority of knowing Jesus Christ in a more intimate way. Vance Havner wrote in a book, I shall never forget Dr. R.A. Torrey saying to me as a young preacher, Young man, make up your mind on one thing and stick to it. Have you ever made up your mind about one thing? Havner goes on to say, The Christian life should not be like a sword should be like a sword with one point, not like a broom ending in many straws. That's picturesque, isn't it? The Christian life should be like a sword with one point, not like a broom that ends with many straws. He says, this one thing I do, I resolve this, forgetting what is behind. Somebody said, don't let, up, don't let yesterday take up too much of your today. How easy all of us find it to go back to yesterday, to perhaps its failures and its disappointments and its sorrows, and we drag them into today and we live with them. Or perhaps we go to yesterday and we bring the success that we had. And we bring the, the, the blessing that we had and we put it in today as though we could live off of yesterday's manna. 
Paul says, I forget whatever's behind. It's over. It's done. It's finished. It's there. It's a part of the historical record. But let it remain record. Don't bring it into today. Forgetting what is behind, he says, and straining toward what is ahead. He is using here an athletic kind of picture. A runner in a race who as he is running around the track dares not stop to smell the flowers. There may be a time to smell the flowers, but not when you're in a race. He has to forget all the things that are flashing by him and focus on one thing, and that's the goal line. And he has to strain for it. He has to push himself for it. It involves a certain threshold of pain in running a race like that. And pushing yourself beyond that threshold, straining, he says, I press on toward the goal. Now twice in these verses, Paul says, I press on. In verse 12, he says, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And then he says, I press toward the goal to win the prize. Same idea. Jesus Christ had taken a hold of Paul so that one day Paul could be a perfect reflector, a perfect likeness of Jesus himself. By the way, that's why he's laid hold of you too. And Paul says, I am pressing on so that one day I can experience that. He says, that is the goal. That's that's the goal line at the end of the race. That's what I'm pressing on toward. That prize that comes with the upward calling, the, the call to heaven in Christ Jesus. That is just as much the goal line for you and for me as it was for Paul 1,900 years ago. Paul says, I am pressing on. You see, we don't arrive there in this life. It is always sad to see Christians who retire from the vocations and think that their work is done in this world for God. Boy, they're retired. They have no more responsibilities. Not in the slightest. We can retire from our vocation in this world. And that's a wonderful point to arrive to. But let us never think that we have suddenly arrived at the end of God's purpose for us in this world. God still has work to do within us. And God still has work to do through us. At every stage in life until we finally get to that goal. That point that we cross the line and we're safe at home in heaven. Paul says, I want to know Jesus Christ. I want to experience the fullness of my union with Him. Death and suffering and resurrection. He says, that is a lifelong pursuit with me. And I am unwilling to let anything get in my way. I forget what is behind. I pay no attention to what's around me. I am pressing on to the goal. To cross that line. 
And finally, he tells us regarding this truth, this priority of deepening our knowledge of Jesus Christ, that it depends upon our continued obedience. You see, it is possible to get sidetracked in life. It's possible for us as Christians to come short of the goal, to stop before we get to the end of the race. If we are going to deepen our knowledge of Jesus Christ and cross the line, he says, it depends upon our continued obedience. Look how he puts it. He gives us an assurance first in verse 15. He says, all of us who are mature... He doesn't mean perfectly mature, but he means who are at, at a point of stability in our Christian life, no longer babes, should take such a view of things. That is the view that he's just expressed. To see life as passing by. And to see the goal line down there at the end of the race and to press on toward that. He says we ought to look at life that way. And he says, if on some point you think differently, God will make it clear to you. that The assurance that I see here is that God is still at work in us at every stage. That God isn't going to leave us alone. That God is going to drop us off somewhere along the way, even if we stumble in the race and fall. God is still going to pick us up and keep us moving. But he goes on to say, the human part of it is... Only let us live up to what we've already attained. There's the admonition. There's my responsibility. God is going to do his part, but I've got a part too. I've got a part too. The fact is that most of us know more than we practice. And so the goal that we ought to have is to live up to what we've attained in our knowing of Jesus Christ. The priority of knowing him more deeply and more intimately will become a reality if we continue on in our obedience. The real proof of the Christian life, the real evidence that is genuine, is growth. It does not always grow at the same pace but the Christian life will always be growing toward maturity. The Australian coat of arms has pictured in it two creatures. An emu, which is a large bird, a rather strange-looking bird that cannot fly, and a kangaroo, now, both of them uh, find Australia's a natural habitat. I suppose that's one reason that they're on the coat of arms. But the main reason they were chosen, I'm told, is that both of these creatures have one thing in common, though they come from different species. Neither of these creatures can move backwards. The emu, because of the way that its uh, feet are formed. It's three-toed. It cannot go backwards. If it tries to, it will fall. And the kangaroo has something in the way back there. So it cannot go backwards. 
And the point of putting those two creatures on the coat of arms, I'm told, is that it shows the spirit of Australia only going forward. I don't know if I want a kangaroo or an emu on my coat of arms. But I do know this, that down in my heart of hearts, I want that to be true about me. And I believe you want it to be true about you if you're a child of God. We want to go forward. Paul says you've got to make it the priority of your life. You've got to forget other things. Not that there aren't other issues we have to deal with. I mean, Paul had his plate full of other issues he had to deal with. But he had one priority that was above everything else. It was singular. It was unique. It stood out in a category by itself. And that was to know Jesus Christ, whatever circumstance came to him. So the the point of the message this morning is, in whatever your set of circumstances today, is that your priority? Have you looked at what you're passing through as a means to knowing Jesus Christ more deeply? You say, oh, but you don't understand what what it's taken out of me. No, I, I probably don't and can't. But I do know that there's the power of the resurrection that can be developed in your life if you'll make knowing him your priority. In your weakness, you'll find his strength being made perfect. He said, but you don't know what I've suffered in this circumstance. No, but Jesus does. And we can know fellowship with him in suffering. He said, but you don't know what it's cost me. No, but I know that as we deepen our knowledge with him, we'll understand something about conforming to his death, the cross death. The priority of life, knowing Jesus Christ. And then once uh, we have known him and as we are knowing him more deeply to make him known to others. Would you bow with me in prayer, please? If you're sitting there saying, well, pastor, you just don't really understand the, the heartache that I'm experiencing today. You don't know the problem that I'm facing That's probably true. Indeed, it would be true of 99 out of 100 cases in this room. But you know what you're passing through, and Jesus Christ knows. And you can, at this moment, if you will, say to him, Lord, I want to know you. And I am making that the number one priority in what I'm passing through right now. Will you say that to him? God, I pray that each one of us will make that the singular priority in our experience to deepen our knowledge of your Son, Jesus Christ. May we go beyond that initial bud phase 
and experience the full blossom of a fragrant, of a deep and intimate knowledge of the one with whom we are in union. And may we run with the discipline of an athlete and press on to the goal. I especially would pray for some brother, some sister here this morning who is deep in the slew of discouragement and despondency. Lord Jesus, pick up their feet and move them to solid ground. And today may there be a resolve within that by the power of the resurrection they will press on to the goal. Thank you for speaking to us and for giving us the assurance that you're with us and you're not going to forsake us. That wherein we come short, you're going to show it to us and, and move us on. Amen.